Good evening, everybody. Let's all stand, and we'll start off with a word of prayer. Uh, Brother Stephen, would you uh, open us for prayer? Amen. Let's all take your hymn. Let's turn to hymn number 22. Hymn number 22. Are you washed in the blood? Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you falling, trusting in His grace? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood and the soul cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are you sprinkled, washing on the white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you
I've been there in the lowest of times. I've had questions in my mind. I've been scared, but I know that I have a savior who knows right where I am and hears my prayers. In the midst of all the problems and the burdens of this life, I will call upon the one who can give me through the night. Lord, hold my hand in the middle of my storm. When I'm sinking down, Lord, help me to stand. When the waves are crashing around, may I keep my eyes on you. Cause Lord, you're the only one who can help me get through the middle of my storm. I don't know how the story will end. I didn't see this in the plans you had for me. But I know that I can trust in the one who's working all things for my good. Though I may not know the answers to the questions of this life, I will keep my eyes on Jesus till my faith becomes sight. Lord, hold my hand in the middle of my storm when I'm sinking down. Lord, help me to stand. When the waves are crashing around, may I keep my eyes on you. Cause Lord, you're the only one who can help me get through the middle of my storm. Lord, you're greater than my problems, greater than my fears. You are greater than my weakness greater than my tears you've never let me down you are here with me right now lord hold my hand in the middle of my storm when i'm sinking down Lord, help me to stand when the waves are crashing around. May I keep my eyes on you, cause Lord, you're the only one who can help me get through. You are the only one who can help me get through the middle of my
All right. Well, it's good to be in the Lord's house uh, this evening. I have a few things we need to take care of. The first one is that Alyssa Van Dam has joined with Southwest Baptist Church in Oklahoma City, and uh, we need to grant a letter uh, for her. And so all in favor of granting that letter, a good hearty amen. Anyone opposed? We like for our college kids to join the church that they're going to be at so they can serve the Lord there. So that's kind of what that's about. And I'm sure that we'll have Jared's coming here in the next week or so. Um, then the youth rally is coming up on Friday. Hard to believe it's Friday. Just boom, it's coming just like that. And uh, so we have some empty blanks here that would be nice if we could fill them in. Um, would there be anyone who would be willing to help with registration? Miss Jillian and Miss Caitlin are going to be doing that. Would someone else be willing? Thank you, Miss Alice. Okay, and greeters, we have Stephen and Reagan. Anyone be willing to help just greet people at the door? Hey, how you doing? Glad you're here. Anybody? Thank you, Miss Terry. All right. And we have cleaners. This will be those who will stick around uh, after the event to help kind of put things back together. And uh, we have uh, the Crotz, the third family, Mrs. Van Dam, Mrs. Metzinger is going to help on that. Uh, one more would be nice if anyone could stay around and help clean. Thank you, Miss Jillian. Okay. Security parking lot. Uh, we want a secure event. Uh, anyone willing to help in the security parking lot? We have uh, Brother Charlie and Brother Matt Potts. And uh, I think if we could get Matthew VC out there, it'd all be secure, right? We get those black belts out there. But anyone else be willing to help uh, those guys, Charlie and Matt? All right. Thank you. I see Scott Hand there in the back. And then uh, ice. Fill the coolers with ice and drink prior to the youth rally. And um, Brother Carl's got his name there. Anyone willing to help in that area? Okay, Brother James, thank you very much. And, and this one here, I don't know that it's worded correctly. <laughs> Maybe it's just flashback to bad days. Coke transporter. One truck or two cars, I guess you're going to outrun them. <laughs> you know, you just kind of keep them kind of hazified there. But uh, Brother Beavers has signed up for that. Anyone uh, be willing to help... Uh, up along that line of Coke transporter. Thank you, Brother James. All right. Quite a title, isn't it? I think I'd get a T-shirt made. I'm the, I'm the Coke transporter. Amen. Man, it's good to be in the Lord's house, isn't it? Our God's a gracious God and uh, so good to us. And it's uh, good to have Lalo and Caitlin back. We've been praying for you guys. And we know that um, it's been some difficult days for you. But I think you know that you've been loved and prayed for greatly, and we're just glad you're back with us. Brother Lalo is going to preach for us. Am I on? I was telling my wife I'm nervous because it's like I was learning how to ride a bike, and then I stopped learning how to ride a bike. So I'm nervous I'm going to fall on my face. <laughs> but um, I'm not going to say too much about it, but just thank you all so much for the support you guys have been to me and especially for my wife. 
um, and even more so for my wife. We couldn't have been able to do what we did, uh, being over there with the family and with her mama's passing. Uh, the Lord has a perfect timing for everything. I know for a while it seemed like we were just waiting and waiting and waiting. We decided to come back and visit. I don't know if Pastor told you all this, but we decided to come back and visit, and we told the nurse, we'll just go back for a few days and then come back. Um, and she said that might be good because she might be holding on uh, for Caitlin. And we were about 30 minutes down the road when we got the call saying that um, she had passed away. So we had just left, uh, but the Lord's timing is perfect. So thank you all so much for everything you guys have done for us and loving us. Um, and the Fosters even put up with our dog for a long time. <laughs> so thank you all so much for everything. Um, I'm going to be reading, I'm not going to finish the series, I know there's only one sermon left on that one, but I want to preach out of Genesis chapter 11, I believe it's what the Lord has us tonight, Genesis chapter 11, Genesis chapter 11, and we're going to read the first nine verses, I'll go ahead and start reading, and you just follow along once you get there, it says, and the whole earth was of one language and of one speech, and it came to pass as they journeyed from the east, that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. Verse number 3, it says, And they said one to another, Go, go to, let us make brick, and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone, and slime had they for mortar. And they said, Go to, let us build a city and a tower, whose top may reach into heaven, and let us make us a name, that we be scat- lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. So they had, they had their plans, but the Lord had different plans. It says, And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language. And this they begin to do. And now for nothing will be restrained from them, which they have imagined to do. Go to, he's almost, I don't want to say he's mocking them, but he says the same thing they say. He says, Go to, let us go down and confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. Therefore is the name of it called Babel, because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth, and from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad the face of all the earth. Let's go ahead and pray real quick. Dear God, thank you so much for this opportunity you've given me, Lord. Thank you for the chance we get to gather here, Lord, and Although I'm not worthy, Lord, thank you for the chance to try and portray a message, Lord, to feed your people. I pray you help me, Lord, calm my nerves, help me to get this message across. Thank you for everything you've been doing in our lives, and I pray you continue to use us. You're going to pray, amen. Let's go ahead and uh, do a flashback to my childhood. You guys seem to enjoy the last time we did that. Uh, but if you guys can imagine with me, um, I was scared of the dark when I was younger. I was really scared of the dark. Um, I was really young when I was, before I stopped sleeping with a nightlight on, you could say. I was, I was only 15 when I stopped being scared of the dark. Uh, but the story that I'm going to tell you guys today, true account, eyewitness me, because it was me. Um, I, was, I, was, I was terrified of the dark, and I w- I'll probably say I was around 10 or 11. And um, for a long time, me and my brother shared a room. And if anybody here, if any children are scared of the dark, maybe even adults, you were scared of the dark in the past, Sometimes just having somebody else in the room can kind of help you with being scared of the dark. It helps a lot. But we moved into an apartment that, for the first time ever, I was going to have my own bedroom. Um, and I was excited. I was pumped. I, I was getting my own, my own bedding. I didn't have to share a bed or a bedroom with my brother. And I was just so excited. My brother's uh, six years younger than me, so he was itty-bitty. But um, finally, my own room. But what I forgot to take into account is that that night, for the first time, I was going to be sleeping alone. 
Not only would I be sleeping alone, I'd be in complete darkness by myself. Uh, we hadn't had a nightlight yet, so um, what was I going to do? I was terrified, and my mother, knowing my fear, um, maybe a couple wet beds, she knew that I was scared of the dark. She knew that. So she came into my room one night. She knew I was maybe getting a little scared, trying to stay up longer than I needed to. And she, she asked, she said, do you want me to, to put a nightlight in your room? Now, the, everything inside of me was screaming, yes, do it. You're scared of the dark. But I had a little something called pride, even as a 10-year-old boy. And I said, I don't need a nightlight. Give it to my sister or my brother. I don't need That's for babies. Inside, I was screaming, yes, but my pride said, I cannot use a nightlight. I'm a big boy. I'm a big little Mexican boy. I can do this, <laughs> right? And then she said, okay. I said, do you want your brother to come in here and sleep with you for the first couple nights? You know, because she knew that would help me. And I said, are you kidding me? I don't need him. I'm fine. I don't, I don't need that. I'm fine. And, you know, my pride, my pride in me said, I don't need any of those things. I got this. The dark, I'm not scared of the dark. And she said, okay. Okay, we, we know what happened last time. The story went like this, right? So she left, and she turned off the lights. Again, remember, we had no nightlight yet. My brother was in a different room, and the lights were off. And there just happens to be a different kind of, of quietness whenever the lights are off, and you're by yourself, and you're kind of paying, you're trying to squint in the dark to see. And what, Another thing that happened was my mom told me to put away my laundry, but I, I didn't want to, so I just threw it on the chair we had in the corner, Right? But the more you squint in the darkness and if your imagination starts playing with you, it's real dark, it's real quiet. That pile of laundry did not look like a pile of laundry after a while. And the more I stared, the more it looked like a monster. And, 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 and in, in that moment, I was really regretting not getting a nightlight or not asking my brother to come, to come and sleep with me. But my pride told me, no, I don't need those things. But man, that monster looked scary. Boy, boy, did I regret my decision. And I guess you could say, as many kids do, and in, in an act of trying to keep myself safe, what did I do? I threw my blanket over my head. If it couldn't see me, if I couldn't see it, it couldn't see me. Man, if that was an actual monster, that, that, would, not have been, that would not have been a good night. But I struggled like that for a couple of nights. My pride led me to, to brush these things away, and that led me to have a couple of restless nights where I was terrified of the clothes monster in the corner of my room. It was terrifying. It was my pride that did that to me. And, and this passage, we'll get into it, and into why I say this, but this passage is dealing with this issue of pride. So our passage is in Genesis, Genesis chapter 11, but if, if we take a chapter back, we, we see something called the, the table of nations. You could say it's a genealogy. It, it lists uh, different nations of people. It also lists where um, on earth it is that they started settling and things like that. And um, once we get... Um, a little bit in here, let me go ahead and find it. We, we get some insight to, 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 to the book, to the chapter 11 of Genesis. Um, if you see here, uh, there was a man, and his name was Nimrod. Verse number 8 of chapter 10 says, And Cush began Nimrod. He began to be a mighty one in the earth. This is Genesis chapter 10, verse number 8. Now, verse number 9, he says, He was a mighty hunter before the Lord, wherefore it is said, Even as Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord. And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel. Nimrod founded this, this nation we'll be talking about today. Um, another thing that mentions this um, is going to be in verse number 25. It says, And unto Eber was born two sons. The name of one was Peleg, for in his days was the earth divided. 
And um, everybody kind of agrees that this is referring to chapter 11. So you would say chapter 11 kind of fits in there in verse 25, the days of Peleg. Right? That's just the, that's just the timeline. It's not going to be too important, but just that way we all, we're all on the same page of when this was. And it was the days of Peleg that the earth was divided. And we see in verse in chapter 11 that the people are united. It says, and the whole earth, earth was of one language and of one speech. They, they were all united. They all spoke the very same language. We can imagine for tonight that it was English. They all spoke English. And language has this way of uniting people. People that speak the same language are naturally united. They're drawn to each other. The same way, on the opposite side of the coin, if you don't speak the same language, if, if all I got up here and just spoke Spanish, you would be, there would be a divide, a natural divide. Language, the one language, brought all these people together. They were united. They were united in this one language. And in many ways, people say that, that, that this, this nation in Babel was kind of like the first uh, super nation that, that was born. It, it, it was just this gigantic group of people that all were, they were united. They had all the power. They had all the size. And they, they all spoke the same language. They were of one language. They were united. And that's the people that we'll be dealing with today. And it says that maybe they had, they had sort of a, they have a, what do you call it now, the UN summit meeting? They had, they had a meeting of all the big leaders got together and they were, they were trying to decide what their future was going to look like. And maybe somebody suggested, hey, you know what? Let's stick together. Let's build for ourselves a giant city. You know what? Let's build a giant tower that stretches out to the heavens. Let's do it. And everybody said, you know what? I like that. I like how we're united. I like the power we have. This is going to be awesome. And they all agreed in unison. We're going to build this city, this nation together. We're going to build this tower that reaches towards the heavens. People are going to know who we are. They're going to know it. That's going to be our nation. They were united. So they started to build their city. They started to build their tower. Uh, people will say that the tower they were building could be another term for it. Later on would be, would be the ziggurat, if you know what that is. And some other nations around the world started building this. And you can some, still see some standing uh, to this day. If you just imagine uh, a, a square base and then a smaller square kind of on top of that, just imagining giant steps, at the very top of it was they would, they would usually build a temple. And that's what they were building. They wanted to build a giant tower, a ziggurat, you could say, to, to show off their power, their glory, how, how united they were as a nation. That was their goal for that. And actually, in the chapter, it tells us, it gives us a hint as to why it was they wanted to build this. It says, and they said, verse number four, Go to, let us build a city and a tower whose top may reach into heaven. And let us make a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. They were worried about something. They were worried that their unity would be broken. They were worried that they would be scattered across the face of the earth. They didn't want that. They said, we want to be unified. We want people to know who we are. And, and we're scared of being scattered about. Our, our people need to stay together. Let's build this city. Let's build this tower. Let's show everybody. Let's make us a name. So they started construction. And just like... I use my blanket as a false insecurity. The people of Babel fell into a trap of building this great nation and this great tower, and they, they were kind of searching after a false sense of security, you could say. It all stemmed from their pride. The same way I, my pride led me to be terrified that night and I had to cover myself with my blanket. If that was an actual monster, the blanket wasn't going to protect me. It was a false sense of security. And we'll see why this was a false sense of security for them. 
But it was the fear of being separated and losing their unity and power that led them to building this ultimate civilization together. They thought to themselves if they could build a powerful reputation, they would be as secure as a nation and as a people. Like I said, they were placing their security in their reputation as a nation. Now you say, what's wrong with wanting to be unified? What's wrong with wanting to show your power to the other nations? What's wrong with all that? Well, if you jump back to chapter 9, God had given the people a command. All the way in the time of Noah, he said, in verse, chapter 9, verse number 1, it said, And God blessed Noah and his sons, and he said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Now some people will argue and say that, well, God didn't say they, could, they couldn't do that from just one place, but it doesn't take much thinking to, 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 to realize that, you know, if they were really going to commit to this, to commit to what God told them to do, they were supposed to spread out. They were supposed to spread out among all the corners of the earth and multiply and have children and let their generations have, have more children and so forth. That's what they were supposed to do. But at some point or another, the people stopped that and they said, you know what, let's come together as one people, as one language and build us a city. And build us a tower. Let's look. You know what they were looking for? Security. They were scared of being scattered abroad. They wanted to build their own security. And the problem with that is this. Their pride led them to disobey an order from God. And look for security in somewhere else other than the will of God. That's what makes this a sin. Building a tower isn't a sin. When you go to the, if you, any of you go to the beach and you build a, a, a sandcastle, you're not sinning against God. Don't worry, kids. But... In this particular instance, them building a tower was just a symptom, you could say, of what? Their pride. You see, you see how, how, that doesn't make sense. Why would their pride lead them to look for a false sense of security? Well, their pride said to them, God's plan for you isn't good enough. Do this instead. What God told you to do doesn't really sound the best for us. You know what? Let's unite instead. Let's build us a giant city and a giant tower. And they were looking for that false sense of security. You could say... They were building themselves a false, a false sense of security. A sense of security, a place of security apart from the will of God. Something that wasn't in the will of God for them. Their pride as a nation led them to seek their security in a great power and reputation. Their pride led them to disobey the command from God and find their security in themselves. Proverbs 16, 18 tells us how that usually goes, right? It says, Pride goeth before destruction, and in haughty spirit before the fall. And then we get to the next part. God says, let us go down. I'm, I'm going to go see what's going, what's going on. And, and it's kind of funny that somebody pointed this out a couple of weeks ago when we heard somebody teach a lesson out of this. And I remember somebody pointing this out back when I was younger, that these people thought they were building a great, magnificent city and tower. But in comparison to God... God had to stoop himself down low. The greatness of man, God still has to stoop himself way low to be able to see what's going on. That's just the magnitude of God. That's just a fun little fact there. That it's just, just the greatness of God and what they thought they were doing, what they were placing their security in, was completely minuscule compared to the glory of God. You could say compared to what God had for them. Now, as, as, as God says, he goes down to check out what's going on, you could say. We, we see later that he's, he's not excited about what's going on. He doesn't like it. He, he sees that, 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 that nothing was restrained from them, and he decides to confound their language. Now, um, the verse there says, um, in verse number, um, I was studying with a different Bible, and now I'm using a different Bible to preach. Give me a second. It says, um, 
go to, let us go down. Uh, sorry, verse number six. It says, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language. And this they begin to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. God isn't saying that he's threatened by what, the, what, 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 the, what these people are capable of doing together. No, what that's saying is this. God knows if he lets these people continue in their pride, they're going to destroy themselves. Almost like a parent, you know that if you let your child do whatever they want to do, let them keep on doing what they want to do, it's not going to end well for them. God saw, he saw how dangerous it would be if he didn't interfere, if he didn't get in the people's way, because nothing was restrained from them. So he decides to scatter them abroad. You see, it's funny, the very, the very thing that they were trying to secure themselves against is the very thing that ended up happening to them. Their pride led them to find security in something else other than the will of God, and the very thing they were scared of is exactly what ended up happening to them. The very same thing. He gave them the command to replenish the earth, and, and, and they weren't doing that. They weren't spreading out the way they were supposed to. And Like I said, their pride led them to disobey God, to find a false sense of security. And if we're not careful, um, I guess you could say as a nation, America is kind of headed the same way. It's just full of prideful people. But I'm not preaching to the nation of America right now. I'm preaching to Christians, believers, children of God, here at Shawnee Mission Baptist Temple. And, and God had told him, God had told him, he gave him a command in chapter 9, and he said, go and mu- multiply upon the face of the earth. But they had pride. And their pride led them to disobey the will of God, the command from God, and it led them to a place here where they said, go to, let us build a city and a tower. Let us build us a name. I want everybody to know exactly what we're all about. Completely disobedience from God. And God had to step down and scatter them abroad himself. The very same thing they were scared of happening to them is what ended up happening to them. And as Christians, we're, we build towers all the time. And you say, what do you mean? Well, God has a will for every single one of us. A lot of that is found in his word. He tells us how we ought to live our life, what a Christian life should look like. Not only that, but another part of that is as you walk and grow in the Lord, he's going to show you what he wants you to do personally. That's all inclusive in his will for your life as a believer. If you're saved, God has a perfect plan for your life, for every single person who's saved in this room. And God tells you in his word, what does he say? Teenagers, I want you to wait for the one that I made for you. It's going to be awesome. Wait for her. Wait for him. But our pride says, I don't trust that. I'm going to find security in a relationship right now. And you come over here and you say, go to, let me find a girlfriend or a boyfriend out of the wrong person at the wrong time. And then God has to come down and scatter you abroad. That sounds violent, but what I mean by that is maybe you were scared of being alone or ending up with the wrong person. And the very thing you're scared of because you didn't wait on God's will is what ends up happening to you. Or, or, or God says, I want you to enjoy, wait to enjoy the, the, the pleasure you get from a marriage relationship. And your pride doesn't have, it, does, it isn't content with that. So you come over here and you say, go to, let me fulfill my lusts in pornography or with somebody who isn't my spouse. Or, or God tells us part of his will, his command is what? Uh, and and I, it'd be easy for me to hit big things, right? We always talk about alcohol and, 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 and drugs and all the things. But I want to be specific because I think as believers, hopefully I'm not preaching to anybody in this room who, who, who alcohol and, and drugs have a hold on your life. And if you do, ask God, work on it, get, get that freedom you need. But I believe we start building towers in our life, you could say. We start placing our security in things that we don't even realize we're doing. 
Things that might be good on the, on the surface, but it's not what God has for us. And what, what do you mean? What do you mean? Well, God says, every time the church doors are open, I want you to be with my people. That's how you feed each other. That's how you grow. Take your family to church every time you can. And, and that's what God wants for you. And your pride says, that's not good enough. I don't like that. So you stand over and you say, go to. Let us miss just a couple services a week because it's family time. It's worth it. I don't want to lose my kids and my family. We've got to have family time. And then what ends up happening? You lose your kids. Or you raise kids that think the things of God aren't that important. We miss church all the time anyways. What's a little extra step? Or God says, I want you to, I, I want you to give your life to me. I want, I want you to be a Christian who's always living the Christian life. And I just, I just want you to serve me in everything I tell you. Or, and, and, all, and that, but maybe you know God's calling you to do something. He's, he's calling you to surrender your life to him. And that's still possible because God's still calling people, whether it be teenagers or even grown adults in this room. But your pride says, I'm, that's, I don't like that. I'm going to find my security in something else, maybe a career. You say, go to. Let me build myself a career, a name for myself. God is going to scatter you if you're a child of God. And God tells you over here, I want you to be content with what I've given you. I want you to trust me for providing for your every needs. He tells us in the word of God he's going to do that. But your pride says, that's not secure enough for me. I say, go to. Let me build myself a tower of money. Even if I miss a couple church services, it's okay. God's going to scatter you. And I can keep on going on and on and on about. And it can even get more, like I said, you don't even know you're doing it. But God says, I want you to serve me in church faithfully because you love me. And you say, go to. I'm doing this because I want people to see who I am. I want attention. Or, Or you say, God says, raise your kids to love me, to worship me, to have a personal relationship with me. Raise your kids to do right because you love them, because you want them to love me. And you're over here building towers saying, go to, I'm raising my kids to do right because I want them to make me look good. God says, use the gifts that I've given you for my glory. Go to, these get me so much attention, I'm going to use these however I want. What we don't realize we're doing as Christians is we laugh at the children of Babylon and we say, wow, that's so dumb. God had to confound their language. And so many times without even realizing it, God's given us a command, whether it be clearly in the scripture, or he's calling you to do something. He's calling you to give something up. He wants you involved in church in a certain way. He wants you to do something with your family. He wants you to start doing certain things you haven't been doing. And we say, go to. I'm going to find my security in something else instead. And all that is is a symptom of what? Of pride. Your pride is telling you that what God has for you, without even realizing it, because you might even you might know what you're doing, and honestly, maybe the Lord's using this message to point out things in your life that you didn't even know you were doing. But your pride leads you to find your security in something else other than the, than what God has for you, whatever it may be: your gifts, sports, money, career, friends, popularity, a relationship that you shouldn't be having right now, a relationship outside of marriage. All these things are things we as believers can be very prone to without even realizing putting our security in. And God says, I'm going to have to scatter you. Because you say, I don't want to lose my kids. God says, raise your kids and admonish them. Discipline them when you have to. And your security says, I'm placing my security in my kids loving me. So I'm going to let them do whatever they want to do. God's going to scatter you. What do you mean? You'll lose your kids. Kids that are out of church. And you say, how does it happen? My two siblings aren't in church for those very reasons. Okay? God's, God told you to, to remain pure, wait for marriage, and you know what? God's going to scatter you. What do you mean? One video is never enough. One person is never enough. 
one extra paycheck is never enough. God's going to scatter you. So I think a good challenge, maybe a good reminder for believers would be this. God has a will for every single person in this room. God has given us His will in His, in, in his Word, and He also has a personal will for every single one of you. Now ask yourself, what are you placing your security in? Are you placing your security in what God has for your life? Are you obeying that? Or is your pride getting in the way, and is it leading you to place your security in something else other than the will of God? It's a very dangerous place to be. And honestly, if we were all to look into our hearts, a good look into our hearts, there's probably some towers we have to tear down. Some towers we have to get rid of, maybe we started building, or that we built a long time ago. And we better get rid of those. We better get that sledgehammer out because it's only a matter of time before, as a child of God, God has to come down and say, I need to scatter them abroad. That's the only challenge I have for tonight. And um, like, like, me, like me growing up, my pride led me to a false sense of security. The blanket was going to protect me from the monsters. False sense of security. But boy, my nights would have been a lot more restful if I would have just turned on a lamp. Or had my brother hang out with me a couple more nights, it would have been okay. So as a Christian, as a believer, saved child of God, ask yourself this. Is there towers in my life? Is there things that I'm placing my security in that aren't in the will of God? And if so, are you asking God to help you tear those down? Ask God. God, help me to find satisfaction and security in the will you have for me. In the plan that you have for my life. And get back on track. Um, that'll be um, the challenge I have tonight. And I, I just thank you all so much for paying attention. I pray it's a blessing because America is going down a pretty bad place. A lot of pride. A lot of people placing their security in things that they shouldn't be placing it in. They shouldn't be considering. But what America needs, we can't change the White House. We can't change churches across the country. What we can change is making sure that believers here at Shawnee Mission Baptist Temple are what? Following the will of God finding their security in what God has for every single one of you. That'll be it for tonight. Brother Jimmy's going to come and uh, give the, the prayer request, and thank you all.